I'm Amy Chaplin, and you're listening to episode 104 of the Piano Pantry podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to share some of my favorite go-to activities for group classes. I was doing the calculations and considering that for the past 13 years, I've conducted group classes six to eight weeks out of the year in lieu of private lessons with anywhere from three to six groups per week, I figure I've done at least three to 400 classes. That is a fun number to think about. One thing I've come to discover is that there are a few tried and true activities in categories that I tend to navigate toward. We may not do every single one every time we have a class, but keeping those broad categories in the back of my mind has been really helpful in streamlining lesson planning for these classes, sometimes to the point that I barely even have to plan. If you would like to have a more streamlined approach to your group classes, or would like to have a few more tried and true activities in your back pocket, stick around for the next 10 minutes or so. I've got your back. One thing I've learned pretty quickly when conducting group classes is that it's nice to have some kind of activity for students to work on when they first enter the room. Arrival times can vary as students trickle in, and it's nice to have something they can sit down to right away to keep them occupied while we wait on the others to arrive. Most of the time, I just do a simple worksheet, whether it's a crossword puzzle of music terms, a coloring sheet for note names, or a fill-in-the-blank for the parts of the piano. You get the idea. Once all students have arrived, we do performances right away. A lot of these things, of course, depend on the level of students that you're working with, but at a minimum, I always ask them to actively listen and determine if the piece is in duple or triple and major or minor. For my beginning students, I like to have a physical, tactile way to direct their attention, so I often use a visual listening guide page or listening cards. The visual listening guide is available on the Piano Pantry website and includes images that help students determine things like meter, tonality, dynamics, articulations, tempo, and mood. You can laminate these with thick laminating sheets and have the students use dry erasers to fill them out for each performance. The listening cards are something I first found on Jennifer Fink's old Pianimation site, which is no longer available, unfortunately. She had students do them in a race format where students race to flip over the elements that they hear. They are around the size of a recipe card with each card having one musical element on it. Since you can no longer find those cards online, and since they've been such a great tool in my own studio, I decided to create my own version, which I just posted on the blog. I included quite a few more than her original set, as I wanted to include things like duple versus triple, uh, high, middle, and low sounds for beginners, and more. What I normally What I normally do is assign students different categories to listen for. So one student might be listening for articulation and dynamics, another student for meter and tonality, and another for mood and tempo. They flip the cards face down that they don't hear and leave the face up elements that they do hear. Then with each student, we rotate which elements that they're listening for. 
There are a few great other listening guides out there, which I have listed in a blog post called Group Lesson Planning Made Easy. Everything I mentioned today, by the way, will of course be available and linked in the show notes. After performances, I try to do some kind of audiation-based activity. It might be um, having something like a rhythm conversation where we stand in a circle and do something like this. We might kind of sway to the big beat and I would say, okay, we're going to be doing duple meter and we have four big beat patterns. So first I will have them maybe echo me like do day, do, do day, do day. And then they echo and I say do to day to do, do to day to do day. And they echo. And then I might do something like, okay, I'll do a pattern and then I will prompt you. I will um, point to you um, like on beat number four to do your own pattern. And we're only using big beats and little beats like do's and do days, for example. So I might say do day, do, do day, do. And on that fourth beat, I point to another student and they might go do, do, do day, do day. And point to another student and so forth. So we kind of go back and forth and have a rhythm conversation. We might do a tonal exercise, um, something like this, like maybe we sing um, happy birthday and we harmonize to it. So we might, you know, sing through the tune. And then we would sing the harmonic pattern. So I'd use my fingers to show them the harmonic function that we're singing. So we might do um, do, 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 so, do, right? So I would direct them on the harmonic function and then maybe I would have them sing the harmony pattern that I'm sig signaling while I sing the melody or I might have them sing the melody while I signal and sing the harmonic functions underneath of that. By the way, if you would like to have more guidance on teaching students to play Happy Birthday by Ear, check out my ultimate teaching resource where you can get a step-by-step -step guide for walking students through the process of learning the tune by ear and then creating their own variations and arrangements. All right, so if you have a group of really young students, sometimes I like to do expressive movement videos, which I first learned about when exploring John Feyerabend's first steps in music classes years ago. He has some DVDs where classical music is set to expressive movement in a Dalcroze-esque way. When COVID times hit, I wanted a way to have some of my littles do these at home. So I went on the search and actually came across a whole slew of them on YouTube. I compiled a big list of these videos in a blog post on the Piano Pantry website. Recently, I actually added to that blog post and published a new one that makes available a CSV file that you can use to upload your own assignment series for these 15 videos into your online practice app. I am using the Vivid Practice app and it allows me to bulk load up assignments using a CSV spreadsheet file. For a shorter term, my assignments folder in Vivid is named Dance Videos, but you could rename it Expressive Videos if you like. I just like the action term for students. They just It just says dance and then what they're dancing to. The third thing I like to do is some kind of ensemble work. 
You could either use notated ensemble music from Alfred or Hal Leonard or even self-published materials from someone like Piano with Lauren or Miss Dorla's Piano Pyramids. You could even do something simple like a lead sheet where one student plays the root of the chord only in octaves, another student plays blocked chords, and another the melody. Sometimes, rather than piano ensembles, we do rhythm ensemble work using um, either the Rockin' Rhythm Ensemble resource from Three Cranky Women that is published by Chose, and Chose is spelled K-J-O-S, or Wendy Stevens's Rhythm Cups. After some of these foundational activities, I then moved into general piano games with whatever remaining time we have. Over the years, I have found 75 minutes to be a nice amount of time for group classes. Unless your main goal is to just do a performance class, 60 minutes always felt cut short, and while I could probably easily go 90 minutes with most groups, it always felt a little too long for my younger beginners, and 75 minutes was just a good compromise for everyone all around. To recap, activities you can consider include an entrance activity, directed active listening during performances, an audiation-based activity, ensemble work, and lastly, piano games. If you'd like to follow up with anything I've mentioned on today's show, including links and a full transcript, head to pianopantry.com forward slash podcast forward slash episode 104. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider taking a minute to rate and review the podcast so the technology world notices that it's loved and will magically share it with others who might benefit from and enjoy it just as much as you. Stay tuned for next week where I'll discuss the difference between two of my favorite organizational life management apps, Evernote and Notion. You'll hear how Notion has overtaken Evernote as my main organizational app but how Evernote still holds one particularly superior element that has allowed me to utilize it in an even more focused way than before. If you've struggled to find a task management app that works for you, mark your calendar for March 8th and 9th, as you're going to want to attend a big event my friend Joy Morin and I are putting on called Organize Your Life Using Notion. It will be an amazing two-day event where we help you systematically build your own workspace using this incredible app. A bonus follow-up date for those who want to take it further will also be available on March 22nd. Registration will be open in early February, so stay tuned for more details. Thanks for being here, everyone. I can't wait to chat with you next week.